everyone welcome to another episode of chomping after dark the podcast where we spoil your favorite games and the occasional movie wait a second did you feel that yeah that little pinprick in your back no that's not your imagination that was a shuriken that was just thrown into your back don't worry i'm sure it was nothing oh what the hell now I'm seeing in 16-bit. What's going on here, guys? I can't host the podcast like this. It's incredibly distracting and unprofessional. We are experiencing some technical difficulties. Please be patient. Okay, that's better. Today, we have assembled to discuss Sabotage Studios' 2018 beloved game, The Messenger. If you're saying to yourself, what on earth is this messenger business? Then sit tight and get ready to have your ninja cowl blown right off of your freaking face. But before we launch into the intros, I just want to make a few quick announcements that if this is your first time here and you're loving the show, please subscribe to us to wherever you listen to podcasts. It would mean the world to us. If you want more from us, head on over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts, reviews of the newest gaming titles, a merch store, and heaps more. Lastly, if you want to support us so that we can continue to make awesome content, please swing over to patreon.com slash swordchomp, where you will find a plethora of tiers starting at $1 to get additional and exclusive content. Any little bit helps us tremendously. Okay. So let's introduce you to the crew that will be joining me today. First, we have a man who was dancing to Bamboo Boogaloo before it became a hot trend on Ninnon, the ninja social media app. Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, are you excited to be talking about one of your favorite games from 2018? I am uh, beyond excited that we are actually getting around to doing this game, because I didn't think we would... Uh... It's a game that, as you guys know, has a special place for me because not only did I absolutely fucking love it, but uh, it was one of my, like, big... It was one of my bigger projects I covered during my time at Destructoid. Um, Definitely one of my bigger headlines, one of my most viewed articles, and just a game I enjoyed getting the word out about because Sabotage Studio is awesome, uh, and they are continuing to do awesome work. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, Josh has been talking about it for years, and I was kind of like, eh, yeah, Josh, yeah, he always recommends these games, and I get around to about one-tenth of his recommendations, and you know what, Rich, I have to say, you guys were both right about this game. Now you're ready to get in on the Sea of Stars Kickstarter, right? Definitely, definitely. I actually need to go go look at that, and i'm glad that you keep reminding me of that because i need to look at that what is that by the way for anybody who's just like 
What the hell is this reference? Uh, sea, sea of Stars is Sabotage Studios' next game, uh, which is more of an homage to much how uh, The Messenger is sort of an homage to things like Ninja Gaiden and uh, Metroidvanias of, of the time, to say the least. This is more of an homage to uh, turn-based RPGs like Chrono Trigger and the like, and it also serves as a prequel to The Messenger, and that is a been funded quite a while ago on kickstarter um you can follow along with its development it's still a ways out uh prob probably looking at like a late 2021 maybe 20 probably closer to 2022 release um but it, it looks amazing um i have a problem so i backed it at the tier where i would get a limited edition vinyl of the soundtrack uh there you go <laughs> i'm very excited for that's this all right no i don't blame you in the slightest because now that i've played this one i i definitely want to see more in this universe also worth noting of why i would want that soundtrack they got the original composer of chrono trigger on board for this game that's a big selling point right there that's a really big selling point but no matter rich thank you for the information i'm so glad you're here because we're gonna have fun with this episode it's gonna be really great next i am joined today by the man who shadow wrote all of the shopkeepers dialogue from thierry boulanger I probably pronounced that name incorrectly. Mr. Joshua Fowler. Josh, I remember watching you play this on stream almost two years ago and how giddy that you were when you were coming across the shopkeeper moments and just the dialogue in general. Are you excited that we are finally going to talk about this game as a collective? I am, because this is one that... So much of the writing is just ridiculously clever that you want to share it with somebody, but you also don't want to ruin it for them. Uh, and finally having the chance to spoil all of it is uh, something something to be savored. Right. I remember, like, even back in the day, you were sending us screenshots of random moments of dialogue in the game, and I was just looking at it like, I don't, like, this is this is kind of like just a window so into Josh, for anybody that doesn't know. Love Josh. His brain operates on a different wavelength than us at various points in time so he'll send us screenshots of amazing dialogue in games and it's completely out of context and it's his way of trying to you know just lasso you and just slowly tug you in getting you into the game and i remember this one in particular because he was loving this game so much he kept throwing those little lassos out trying to get us in and i was like man this looks really really um charming but i just i don't have time right now and finally uh at the beginning of this year because it's kind of been a slow year to start off that i had time and yeah i just remember all those times that josh was trying to rope us all in and i'm glad that he was persistent because uh yeah it's fun it's a good game i'm really excited to talk about it with you josh mm -hmm. it's gonna be a blast yeah and of course i was the messenger's practice dummy at the beginning of the game and my name is shay layton so I'm really excited to talk about this game with you guys, just recently having come off of playing it. So we're about to jump into the story, and I just want to give a quick reminder that from this point on, there will be spoilers. There is a really great twist about midway through the game, so if you haven't experienced this game yet, I will actually give out a second warning when we get to that point, so you, the listener, can avoid that point of no return. So now, it's time to dim the lights and settle in. The game starts out with a ninja and his master, 
talking in a village that harbors the remaining human survivors. They hide to avoid the impending demon army that seeks to destroy all remaining humans. There is also a legend of a hero that will come to bring the humans salvation. The village of ninjas is attacked by a massive demon king, raising many buildings to the ground. A western hero appears and gives a mysterious scroll to one of the surviving ninjas, appointing him as the messenger. The ninja is tasked with carrying the scroll to the top of the mountain and delivering it to the three sages. So the game starts out almost immediately throwing the player into the conflict of the story with minimal backbeats, while also showcasing the cheekiness that permeates the dialogue throughout. Do you guys remember your initial impressions of the opening sequence? And I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first, Josh. Um, I do. Um, I, I think my first first thought of it was just that it gets you basically right into the game. It's got like a kind of an intro cutscene, but it's like super short, um, sort of retro style, you know. I don't know, 30 seconds at the most sort of a thing, explaining the backstory, why you're doing something, and then you're just playing the game. Um, but, like, the first thing they have you do is learn the mechanic that the game is kind of built around with uh, uh, Cloud Step? Cloud Step, yeah. Cloud Step. Yeah, um, yeah Cloud Step. Cloud Stepping, where essentially you have a double jump in this game that gets reset every time you hit something. Uh, with your attack um and it feels real good it feels real real good um but they they give that to you right off the bat and kind of give you this little sort of ninja training ground thing um to have you do the opening sequence before you go talk to your master and it just felt so solid such a such a good way to get you interested in the story interested in mechanics immediately Yeah. Yeah, how about you, Rich? How did you feel about the opening sequence? Uh, I have, like, it's weird because I had been covering this game from preview uh, to review, so the intro was probably, like, the fourth level of the game I actually ever played. Um, So I had, like, weird context going forward, but like Josh said, I think what this intro does best, one, is it's light on the story, but gives you enough to get you going, and then it introduces that main like mechanic of locomotion, which is the cloud stepping, which feels awesome. So even if you're not fully like on board for these loose story threads off the bat, the game feels amazing to play off the bat, and I feel like that's that's enough to keep you going. Though like the yeah, it's dropping yeah, more I'd, lore I'd agree than with anything both, else. Both of you guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. One thing I really like is it harkens back, like Josh said, to older games where it just throws you in right into the fray almost immediately. And I I can't help but comparing to this past year, 2020, where a lot of games had a ton of preamble before you really started to get into the conflict of the story. Um, not to name any specific games, just saying that I, I remember a lot of games from last year had a lot of info dump at the beginning, a lot of story at the beginning. So to play this game, granted it being a 2018 release, it was really nice to just get into it right away. Um, it was it was a very big juxtaposition as to a lot of the games that we all 
um, the four of us, Brandon Morgan's not here, um, have played this past year. It was really nice to just kind of get straight into the action and get straight into the conflict. And there didn't need to be this deep, these deep woven threads of a story. It just, it seems very simple on the surface and the way, as we're going to talk about here shortly, it rolls out more was really compelling for me, especially at the time that I played it. Um, and it's cool to hear that for you guys, it was kind of similar, not probably exactly the way I felt, but kind of similar that you guys were also happy. It was just a quick get into the story right away. One of the things I, I think is most interesting about that is like off the bat, and I'll say consistently through, um, they never overload you, but the world feels interesting. And then when I reflect on thinking like what they're doing next, like what they're doing with Sea of Stars, which is setting it in the same world, the type of game that is now gives you like the room to explore that world in the way a JRPG would, which is a very cool uh, premise. Yeah, I, I think about that, like, you know, the, the implications that that has, because obviously the beginning is setting up that you have this kind of last bastion of remaining humanity and in the, throughout the game, you don't really come across any other humans throughout the entire game. So it would be, it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of explore like, Oh, humanity actually found another pocket where the demons didn't know about and then you find this like alternate tribe or you know something like that or even if yeah, they don't do something like that go. yeah yeah there's a lot of different directions they could take that and it just it really excites me it's going to be interesting to have one game in one style and another game set in the same universe as a completely different style not that that's unheard of it's just going to be interesting and i'm excited for it but All right, let's jump right back into the story here. The messenger enters the first area beyond the ninja village and comes across the shop, who is run by none other than the shopkeeper. That's right. The shopkeeper reveals that they will be guiding the messenger on his quest to bring the scroll to their brethren atop the mountain. After the shopkeeper gives you the climbing claws, if you talk with them, they will reference that John Gaiden invented them decades before, which is a cute nod to the Ninja Gaiden games. The messenger also asks where the shop is, and the shopkeeper reveals that it's not a matter of where, but rather when. After escaping from the first area, the messenger enters the forlorn temple. The shopkeeper reveals that the Demon King brought his army to destroy the humans, and has been a sitting atop their throne ever since. Shortly after leaving the shop, the messenger falls into the catacombs. So the game is shrouded in mystery, which is fitting for a story about a ninja. Was the initial hook of slaying the demon king and figuring out when the shop is from adequate mode excuse me i said that cor- incorrectly let me try that again guys was the initial hook of slaying the demon king and figuring out when the shop is an adequate motivator for you to keep playing or was it more about the gameplay at this point and i'm going to go ahead and throw it back to you rich uh it was enough it was enough in the sense of like the style of game this is the nes snes 
uh, Metroidvania-esque looking thing, it, being that I don't need a ton of hook to keep me going. The gameplay is excellent, and then I think beyond that, uh, the shopkeeper dialogue is enough to keep you going, even if that's not the full story. Um, all the right, the shopkeeper was the best new video game, original video game character of 2018. Uh, all of his dialogue is gold and like consistently gold through all of it. Like you said, when you mentioned the climbing cause, it's been forever since I've played this game, but I immediately remembered the John Guyton bit where he straight up like meta wink, wink nudges at the screen when the messenger's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And he's like, well, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody, he said, what does he say? Somebody will get it. It's, yeah. it's for somebody else or something like that. Yeah. One of those two. I've always yeah. loved those. Like they did this, they've done this in games for a long time. I, I love in a link to the past where there are two little boys playing ball and they give you like control things right before you go off to start your first adventure. And it's like, um, I heard a oh. rumor that if you hit B, you can swing your sword. I don't know what that means. That that's actually links awakening, not yeah. a link to the past. Did I, I say think it only fits? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you didn't, and I'm hallucinating, but that okay. only worked in, like, how weird uh, Link's Awakening was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've always enjoyed that style of humor, where they just, you know, they've got to give you the controls somehow, and especially in these older games, it ended up being a character telling you for some reason, and that made no sense whatsoever. But, yeah. Um, like, hey, man, do you know if you hit B? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, how did you feel about this, Josh? What, were you... Were you particularly needing that hook, or was it more of the gameplay that was drawing you in at this point? Um, I mean, at this point, it was more the gameplay, because so much of what they give you there is kind of joking that I didn't even know if the, you know, there was going to be much. I figured any payoff I would get for the whole shop thing would be more of a joke um, at that point. So I was, I was, I was more in on the... Uh, the gameplay and especially once you get that that allows you to do the uh like the wall jumping uh which is kind of the other part of the movement but um the more standard part um and yeah yeah, yeah i was i was just i just wanted to play more of the game at that point mostly Hell yeah. yeah the game feels really good off the bat and i would definitely say that that's the bigger mo- that was the bigger motive from motivator for me early on was playing the game but like rich said the the quality of dialogue from the shopkeeper it was really great and i was like man i want to interact with this guy more and it's kind of like josh said at at the beginning i didn't really know what the payoff was going to be at that point and it wasn't until i was talking with these guys privately about the game did i realize that there was a bigger implication for that because then somebody mentioned a twist they didn't say what the twist was. They just said, oh, you're getting close to the twist. And I was like, twist? It was when you asked like, what, me, like, oh, what is possible this, is twist this could there boss? be? And I was like, no, you're about halfway <laughs> through the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I, I really think that the gameplay is kind of the bigger motivator towards the beginning. Like, just unlocking your abilities, unlocking uh, the different things you can do, which is primarily at first what the shopkeeper does and that's a little bit of foreshadowing so without further ado let's get right back into the story by this point the messenger will have likely died 
That is when the messenger is first introduced to Quarble, a floating mini-demon that rescues the messenger before he dies. In return, the messenger must deal with verbal harassment and Quarble stealing some resources from him. After fighting and defeating the hilarious boss Ruxton, Ruxton swears off evil forever. Next, the messenger enters Bamboo Creek. After making quick work of the area, the messenger heads into the Howling Grotto, where he falls into a pit, and the shopkeeper tells him of the squirrel clan that used wingsuits to fly and glide throughout the land. During a misunderstanding, the messenger kills a, florid, a floating orb's golem who is defending itself from the messenger. So one aspect that I love about this game is that it never takes itself too seriously. Did the tongue-in-cheek and witty dialogue propel this game to a higher score for you, so to speak, Josh? Or was it already just high as it is and just an added bonus? Um, no, I think it definitely helped um, because there's... The game is really solid on its own, but it really leans into a lot of the tropes that we've seen for just forever in games at this point um, but it's like hey this is dumb isn't it <laughs> yeah and then well yeah like draw attention to it with like um you know a boss who looks big and mean but you're the one who just wandered into his room and started attacking him um and like drawing attention to that is like something i i i, I appreciate uh, yeah. yeah absolutely rich feel free to jump in on that yeah, I mean, same thing here. Like, that game is great on its own without all that stuff. I think that's what sets it apart and, like, pushes it up into being as spectacular as it is. Is uh, The gameplay on its own is great, and that would be enough to make it worth talking about. But they go to some interesting places with the narrative, and the humor keeps it light and fun and engaging. It's definitely a big part of what makes it so great, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I we're we've been talking about this game a lot privately because uh one of the hosts think that this game is uh, goofy as he described it. And uh it's is it's been interesting because the the point of this game is not to be this very serious game, right? This game like you guys are saying is taking a lot of those trope, tropes and spoofing them. And it if you understand that, then it's it makes the game that much better, in my opinion. It, it's taking a lot of, like Josh is saying, a lot of those tropes and just acknowledging how ridiculous they are. And it's really, really charming. And it, I love the fact that this game never takes itself too seriously. That even there, there are big moments, there are big set pieces, which we'll get to later. And the first big one is with Ruxton, where... It, it's this this enemy that you've seen in this area before you get to him, and he's kind of just orchestrating things in the land, making these creatures appear to fight you. And then he he's talking to his staff, and he appears this like towering evil figure, and he's floating in the air. And then when he comes, like he's talking to his staff, like, "Oh, I'm about to have this amazing dialogue. Get ready for it." And then he says, you know, he says a dialogue that he's prepared. And then he goes to set himself on the ground. And it looks like to be this towering figure. But then it turns around and it's this enemy that's shorter than you. And I love that the game has these little 
these little moments where they take a big set piece and just completely turn your expectations of it because it it really acknowledges how serious some games take themselves and i think this game really does a damn near perfect job of towing the line of building up the suspense and drawing you into the the story and the seriousness of what's happening but also parodying not only itself but the other tropes that are um permeate gaming in general especially during this time yeah yeah ruxton is one of my favorite characters in the game uh because he kind of keeps showing back up throughout after you again after you beat him and um he they they do uh, some funny things with that and he he's also a big part of the expansion uh panic which we will not be talking about because i don't believe shay has played it yet you're right. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. We will not be talking about the DLC because I still haven't played it yet. Um, I'm going to probably fix that today or tomorrow. Because, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I need we can, more we can always game. come back and do 30 minutes or so on Picnic Panic. <laughs> I, I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> but, yeah, the, definitely, I would say for me, the tongue in cheek and witty dialogue definitely set this game apart for me and made me want to play it more and more to be succinct (laughs) but um yeah let's hop back into the next section in the next area the messenger faces off a former messenger that has been corrupted after traversing through the next area the messenger comes across two cyclopes coloss and susses who struggle to properly name the messenger in a very funny bit the messenger quickly defeats them Afterwards, they help the messenger reach the base of the mountain. The messenger talks to the shopkeeper about his mission almost being complete, but the shopkeeper foreshadows that it's not even close to being done. He reaches the top of the mountain and meets the three sages. They reveal the Tower of Time and tell the messenger to make it through the gauntlet. Upon finding the shop inside of the tower, it's revealed that the messenger has been warping into the Tower of Time the entire time. After defeating the tower and the sage's guardian, the sages send the messenger to 500 years into the future to defeat Barmathazel. Hopefully I'm saying that name right. That is a, that's a difficult name to say, Barmathazel. It was always the supposed demon- to sound very demony to me, which like Barmathazel, like it all fits in with like the Mephistopheles of it all. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. He is the Demon King's general. Barmathazel throws the messenger from the cloud ruins to the underworld, a hell replicate. The general is defeated, but attempts to kill the messenger by bringing the cavern down. The messenger is rescued by Manfred, the dragon. The messenger rides Manfred to the ninja village, where he rescues a future soldier. He passes the scroll off to the soldier. So before I go any further, this is the big twist I was talking about. If you want to experience it for yourself, pause the show now, play the game, and come back when you finish. I would honestly rather, and I'm sure these guys would, rather you experience the twist for yourself than hear us talk about it. So this is the point of no Um, return. 
but before you uh before you yeah. continue past the point of no return share i just wanted to say while we're on it if it gives you perspective to why i was so interested in this game all the way through its development cycle uh when i met uh theory and the team and demoed this game the second level i ever saw was the manfred level and it made me go what the fuck is this game <laughs> the that is a weird level to preview because I'm kind of glossing over it because it's more gameplay than story. But basically, yes. when you get to the cloud ruins 500 years into the future, you are moseying through this level and then you start, um, you jump off of one of the cliffs and you and you start walking on the clouds and you basically have to avoid this dragon that's trying to eat you essentially. And after multiple times, you eventually defeat the dragon and come to find out he's a nice dragon. And his name is Manfred. And you, you're going to learn here in a little, a little bit later in the... No, no, you actually, you do learn at this point. I'm sorry. You learn when he rescues you from the underworld that his name isn't originally Manfred, but he changed his name to Manfred. And the reason why is because he wants to be a butler for somebody. <laughs> yeah, I was dreams. just like, what I the fuck it. is going on right now? The characters are all so great. Like, these weird caricatures of, like, I love the idea of asking yourself, <laughs> what would a dragon <laughs> be like? And what would he want out of his life? Because <laughs> he's just a person who has weird aspirations. He didn't ask to be a dragon. Mm-hmm. No, he just is, you know? He just wants to be a butler for somebody. Yeah, I... I love Manfred a lot. I as we as you come across him later on in the game, um and this is a minor window, you find him frozen and you can't help but feel really sad for him. He's like, "Hey, just help me out. I just want to be a butler here. Come on." And like his his head is the only thing protruding from the ice and you just he's cute and you want to help him. Yeah, I loved Manfred. I'm he's hoping I'm hoping Manfred has some presence in in Sea of Stars. Oh, he's gonna. He's gonna. (laughs) Him and Ruxton definitely have to have parts. Or I will riot. Alright, let's get to the point of no return here. After completing the loop as the messenger, the ninja finally enters the mysterious cabinet in the shop to don robes and become the shopkeeper. He provides upgrades for the soldier. But because of the previous shopkeeper's negligence, the new messenger dies on their quest. The ninja becomes the messenger again and is tasked with breaking the cursed cycle by collecting the notes for the music box in the Tower of Time. The messenger must shift between the past and the future to look for the notes. While looking for the notes, the messenger will come across various characters from the past that he must help, such as Manfred or the corrupted ex-messenger. The messenger eventually collects the six notes scattered throughout the past and future. He confronts and defeats the Demon King. After returning to the Tower of Time, it is revealed that the music box is a prison for the Phantom. The sages tell the messenger of the giants who used to protect the world. Suddenly, the world was stricken by a flood, and only one piece of land survived. The remaining humans 
builds a temple in order to find meaning. A couple stepped up to be leaders, the Muse and the Phantom. After a decade of stability, the giants and demons went to war. The demons descended upon the world and killed the Muse. Phantom took her music box as a final memory of her. He led the survivors to the ninja village to hide while he attempted to kill the Demon King. The Demon King trapped Phantom in the music box. Every 500 years, the demons would return to torture the remaining humans, pushing them further and further to extinction. Phantom was forced to wear a mask that made him deranged. By being forced to play the music, he continued to fuel the curse. Lapses of sanity allowed Phantom to create a document that allowed for time travel. Thus, the messenger loop was created in order to build enough magic to defeat the demons over time by eventually freeing Phantom. So as always, we do a mad dash, but before we do a mad dash to the end, I want to ask about the cutscene that serves as the info dump before the final conflict. I know we just went over a ton of story here, so if you guys also want to reflect on that after my question, please feel free to. But the question I wanted to get from you guys, or the answers I wanted to get from you guys, did you enjoy that method of rolling out necessary information in a cutscene? Or if the game, or sorry, if the resources permitted the game creators and developers, would you have preferred to experience the history in some sort of flashback gameplay? And I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you first, Josh. Um, I was fine with them just giving us kind of the the actual story, what was going on at that point, so we could get back into the game. Um, because there's just there's so much going on at that point as far as um a gameplay wise with you having explored everywhere and trying to put all the stuff together and kind of wanting to wrap stuff up. Um, but then also just with the story, kind of all these. It feels it feels like it's it's worthwhile because you had to do so much work to get there that it's kind of more the reward for for completing all of that stuff. Um, it's kind of finally understanding what's going on and what the actual mission is. Um, I, I I think it worked. Okay, Rich, feel free to jump in. Yeah, no, I I think it works as is. Um... Like like Josh said, it gives you a reason to get back to the gameplay quicker. And I, I think trying to like bog that down into another flashback uh gameplay sequence would have like overloaded it if you're trying to do another setting and another gimmick, so to speak. Um and at a certain point, like an info dump is all but unavoidable and they don't kill you with that kind of shit in this game, so I think it works just fine in this instance. Yeah. Well But kinda another another thing there uh, as far as pacing goes is even the info dump isn't time wise all that big of a uh, investment compared to some of the um like we touched on the writing briefly but like a lot of the jokes in there are built off of um the idea of like talking to people more than one time because in games oh you you know We'll have the same the dialogue. shopkeeper will talk and talk 
yeah, like new dialogue for ages. Uh, and so you kind of, at least if you're curious about it, will have been trained to just sit there and poke and poke and poke at something. Uh, and some of that can take a lot longer. In fact, uh, yeah. one, one, of, one of the bits in there is that he will threaten you that if you keep on messing with him, he'll tell you a ridiculously long story that you won't be able to skip past. Um, and if you continue with that, he'll, he'll eventually do it. And he'll tell you a story that takes, I don't know, five minutes to read through. Um, and yeah, unskippable, unskippable. Um, and so at least pacing wise, I felt like this info dump was not out of character at that point. Uh, just kind of felt like it was yeah, part of the overall flow and, to have that much information. And, and some at once. of those, um, some of those funnier dumps do like like work in a good sense. Like the we we glossed over this obviously. Shay was talking about when um the soldier becomes the messenger and he dies. Like there's a good bit when the other shopkeeper comes back out and he's like, "Wait, you didn't bring him back to life?" And you're just like, "What? No, you didn't tell me how to do that." And he's like, "Man, you got to go over here and you got to be quick when that happens." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I thought that whole sequence was funny, um especially because I watched the walkthrough in its entirety. Obviously, I skipped through a lot of the gameplay stuff a second time last night to write the script. And yeah, just it's just as funny as the first time. Especially that sequence where uh the previous shopkeeper forgets to tell you a lot of information, like the orb of scrying, the ability that you have to bring back the the new messenger, all that stuff. And then, yeah. And then he's like, you know what? You weren't meant to be a shopkeeper anyways. And I was like, I was never really given the chance to be the shopkeeper because he didn't tell me shit about what I was supposed to be doing here. Um, yeah, I really love that. I, I really like that. But um, as far as the original question is, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's at most 10 minutes to watch that cutscene, And it's, it feels different from anything else the game has really done up to that point, but I think it's completely within, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know how it's, how to word this. Basically it feels right is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't feel out of place. That being said, as I was thinking about when I wrote this question last night and I was kind of pouring over my notes and pouring over the walkthrough, I thought it would have been really cool to just play like a quick sequence as phantom leading up to going to fight the demon king not actually fighting the demon king but just getting a little taste of phantom's powers before he essentially was enslaved i thought that would have been really cool just a a quick sequence because then that could also have some form of implications for the sequel the sea of stars that uh, or sea of stars that will be coming out in the future i think that would have been cool not nece not necessary but it would have been really cool. And I think if they had done it correctly, it wouldn't have messed with the pacing issue or it wouldn't have been a pacing issue. It wouldn't have messed with the pacing too much. Just a cool little, you know, witness into who Phantom was instead of just through text and fighting him as an enemy. But that being said, I still really enjoyed the cutscene a lot. It, it got the necessary information out. The music was really good during that sequence as it is throughout the entire game. Uh, rainbow dragon eyes did amazing music throughout this entire game but yeah it was set up really well and it was necessary information going into that final fight up to this point so yeah i was pleased with it it, it wasn't bad 
and it didn't feel out of place at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the last section. <laughs> it's a very, very short last section. Um, That's fine. Yeah, you were most to... of the way there, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're pretty much there. So after navigating the traps in the music box, the messenger finds Phantom. He defeats Phantom, freeing him from the demon curse. The curse breaks free from the music box, but the messenger, along with the blue robe sages, team together to eradicate the curse once and for all. And roll credits. So, as you guys were kind of talking about a little bit in the last question, I've been dying to talk with you guys about this. How great is the shopkeeper throughout the entire game with his stories and his verbal harassment? I mean, just reflect on all of it because I mean, you guys touched on one thing there. If you continuously touch the cabinet, you will get locked eventually into a really long story, but there's a lot more that goes on there. If you guys want to talk about some of your favorite moments, please do. He is easily my favorite character that year. He is one of my favorite original characters in games in a long time. Just all of his dialogue is written as so snarky and like weirdly condescending. Like you, you talked about early on when he, um, he makes that comment about finding out when the shop is. And then he keeps that sort of like cheeky, like I'm a schmuckness about it when you get to the tower later. And he's like, boom, big reveal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, I love how dumb about everything he is. Like he's excited to be there doing his dumb job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like they do it. They do a good job of uh, like every time you get into a new zone, you'll be able to ask the shopkeeper about what stuff you can expect going forward. And he'll always have uh, some useful information, but always kind of couched in this idea of like, um, like you can you can just go see it yourself. Like, what what, do you, what are you in here asking me about this stuff for? Yeah, get out there. <laughs> yeah, um, and they they do a really good job of making it. Uh, just it it feels rewarding every time you go to talk to him. Um, just because the the writing is so solid that you, you, you like you you want to, you want to talk to everyone as much as possible in this game, but especially the shopkeeper. Uh, and it, when you were saying Shay about like standout moments, I brought this up to you just the other day. One of my favorite bits is the hat. Um, when you first enter the future, the messenger's character model changes to sort of the straw hat wearing um like almost samurai adjacent ninja yeah or like a ronin you go of some into the sort. shop yeah yeah exactly and um first time you go into the shop the shopkeeper makes comments like wow cool hat man <laughs> and then when you come back he's wearing the hat yeah and he accuses you of stealing his style and getting <laughs> yeah. mad about it exactly and it's not like <clears throat> it's not like the messenger is just like a silent protagonist he a- actively is arguing with the shopkeeper like what you saw me walk in yeah, here I, with this I hat. wore this first <laughs> and then the shopkeeper's like i don't know what you're talking about i've been wearing this hat the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, i've loved that bit one thing i really i love about the shopkeeper is you can ask him to tell you stories and he will just offer these 
not all the time, but most of the time, these didactic stories, these stories that have a, a lesson to learn. And usually it ends with him just being like, well, it doesn't fucking mean it. Like he doesn't say it like that, but he's like, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, just get out there and keep playing the game. Or sometimes he'll just tell a story that seems like it's going to have a deeper meaning. And then it just amounts to nothing but a, like a joke at the end or like the, him yeah, like making the clear, some snarky comment. The clear moral to the story doesn't end up happening. Like after he's told you this right. really long rambling tale, that's obviously going in a certain direction and then it doesn't get there. Um, yeah. I love so that well stuff. And yeah. And I even like to expand a little bit. Um, Cause I didn't experience it as much. Like when he told me to not, mess with the wardrobe i was like all right i'll just quit messing with it i didn't realize <laughs> and this was until i watched the walkthrough last night that if you keep messing with it like josh was saying he will just be like hey hey i warned you don't touch it i really mean it this time and then he'll count like 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 yeah you thought the countdown was going to mean something but it didn't and <laughs> he just keeps going and going <laughs> and going and i loved i absolutely loved that um the shopkeeper's dialogue is the one that stands out the most. Obviously, there are other good ones. There's a point in the game, and I completely glossed over this, where you go back into the cloud ruins, and you end up fighting this cloud, uh, this steampunk-looking enemy. And then after you <laughs> defeat him, you find out he needs a butler. And then Manfred has been helping you up to that point, and Manfred's like, hey, I know a guy. That's me. And then Manfred ends up becoming the butler of the, the cloud punk looking enemy. And it's just like, it's moments like that where the dialogue and the lore, um, it's just so well crafted in this game. And I, and I think that the shopkeeper is the epitome of that. And it's, it's cool that they even kind of transfer that a little bit to the ninja messenger when he becomes the shopkeeper, because there's also another callback to where, the new quote unquote messenger that lives and dies in the span of three minutes, he has a gun. He has this laser gun. And the first He's time basically he comes Samus. Right. And he comes in and, and, uh, the ninja messenger, um, who is now the shopkeeper. If you're keeping track gives the gun, uh, an upgrade and, He's uh the messenger is like it's from Ray Troid, which is again a a reference to Metroid, yeah. um, Samus, like Rich is mm -hmm. saying, and I just love that the each character gets those moments to have this interesting and snarky and fun dialogue. Coloss and Susses were also some of my favorite characters, oh, yeah. especially because of the bit where they are trying their hardest to think of a name for the ninja the messenger and they just aren't you the postman it's the message bearer and it's just like they go through i swear 30 names and they never come across the messenger and i just love i love moments like that in this game and the shopkeeper yeah. is easily the epitome of all of it yeah no no the cyclopses are great because they're well, again the colossus for their their name but um there's they're kind of these hard-headed bros who'll like get an idea and won't listen to you when you tell them the answer to their thing 
um to the they're point just arguing over each other yeah while you're yeah. trying to just be like no no this is the situation we're in <laughs> yeah to the point where um when you go to the future like you've been having this argument about what they're going to eat that night and they like they don't want to any anyway this they couldn't come to an agreement about it and you go to the future and you find them still sitting where they were sitting by their meal pot where they just died um sitting there still essentially probably having the same argument like they don't ever say but like just just their dead you know their skeletons it's like when when bilbo made the trolls argue until the sun came up yeah it's the same sort of thing but they did it to themselves um yeah and over the course of years probably Mm -hmm. i would imagine that was probably a reference to the hobbit actually now that i think about it to some degree yeah it's the first thing i I think of when i think of that scene yeah 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 that's i kind of like in retrospect that is actually what i thought about too i was like this is very similar to the hobbit i don't know if this isn't a direct reference obviously some of the other things that they referenced have direct references like metroid and ninja gaiden but i didn't know if that was a direct reference but i would imagine so yeah okay so Next question. We have two more questions, and then we're done, guys. As sad as that is. Easy breezy. Were you satisfied with the conclusion of the story? Totally. Feel free to jump in. Anyone yeah. can. Um, I, I was happy with this this game across the board. I thought it, it gives you enough plot threads to keep you going, keep you invested, and then it ends in a, um, a typical enough but still entertaining enough way. Um, obviously, we found out much later that the, the door to that world is going to be kept open by sabotage, which I'm even more excited for. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel wanting, uh, walking away. Like, I didn't feel like that story left me hanging in a way that didn't pay off. Yeah. 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 No, I feel like they did a good job of kind of. Kind of building up the lore of the world of this, this idea of like this, this cycle has been going on forever with, um, essentially the shopkeeper and all the other blue robed guys that you meet at the tower were messengers that kind of at some point at yeah. some point had gone through this whole thing and then are living in this tower outside of time so they can eventually accomplish their final goal and i think they do a good job of making it feel satisfying to kind of finally accomplish that but also keep it lighthearted in the sense that no one expects you to actually do it until you kind of screw up stuff and well i well i guess you kind of have to do it now um sort of plot threads that it 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 works it it works to uh kind of keep you keep you from like over analyzing the story by keeping it lighthearted in that sense um but mm-hmm. it's still solid enough that it works like it's not it's not like it's skimping on it it's just like um not the focus as much um in this game yeah yeah i i'd I'd agree with you guys i really like the ending to the story i initially thought there's going to be some sort of epilogue after you destroy the curse but as the credits were rolling i was like you know i don't really need an epilogue at this point i'm satisfied with the way everything has gone i I think it's fair to call picnic panic an epilogue you know everybody needs a nice vacation after they save the world (laughs) that's right I, I I wish, you know, the one epilogue point I wish would happen was everybody went to uh, the uh, bamboo area and just danced to bamboo boogaloo. 
that would have been the perfect epilogue. Tell, tell you one thing, Just everybody that track slaps. It does mm-hmm. it does? Yeah, there. Yeah, the music in this game is phenomenal. Uh, anyone who says otherwise is a turd. But um, that's in reference to you, Morgan. If you're listening, <laughs> which you're not. Anyways, um, lastly, as always, would you recommend this game? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Rich. Josh, you can go next, and then I'll round it up. Uh, I've been doing so for almost three years. Would you buy this game brand new, whole price? Um, Rich? I did. <laughs> I did after it had been given to me two times prior on PC and Switch. <laughs> well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know a more glowing, glowing endorsement than that. Josh? Yes, yes. I mean, that's why I tried to convince you guys for a long time to play it. Um, it is just an outstanding game uh, from start to finish. Um, like, on, on every front, on every front, like, everything about it is done excellently. Um, it's, like, it's got some of my favorite platforming mechanics ever like it just it works so well and feels so fluid uh that it's just a joy to sit down and play the game uh which is always always what you want from a platformer for it to not feel like why is this a platformer it's very Um, easy to fuck up platforming platforming in this game is pixel perfect and fast in a way that games that require that level of precision normally aren't yeah Yep, and you, yep. you you'll you'll be getting more of that once you get around to the uh, to the DLC because uh, yeah they they go nuts with it in a few spots. Oh, I'm excited! I'm really excited for that DLC, which is free, by the way. Yes, yes. If you buy the game, you uh, after you finish everything we've talked about now, you can keep playing and essentially have this epilogue, which is way more of the humor side of everything um but also my ramping favorite, up a lot of the challenge as well my favorite uh, design choice because most of the that, that expansion takes place on a tropical island um is the the uh the shopkeeper coming back but his normal beaded sage necklace has been replaced with him wearing a lei because mm-hmm. he's on vacation <laughs> i have to tell you guys that if you download this the core game on Game Pass, which it is on there right now, you still get access to the DLC for free. Yep. There's no. I think they had to do it because there's no way to buy it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's it, they, it, they essentially just patched it in. Um, it was yeah. it was given out to uh, everyone who had the game. So. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that you don't even have to buy the game to play the DLC. That's how awesome it is. Hmm. I yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say too much more than what these guys have said. The gameplay is amazing. The music's amazing. The story's amazing. The lore is amazing. Everything about this game is really fun. And if you are into retro style looking games, uh, it's awesome. The 16 bit to 8 bit back to 16 bit makes for some really fun puzzles in the game. I love this game um, wholeheartedly. I absolutely recommend it. Even though I um, played it on Game Pass, I'm going to be buying it for my Switch because I want to play this game all over again. Absolutely love this game. 
100% worth your time. And just as a preview, for <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, I just went on our Twitter and I just posted Play the Messenger over and over and over again as a tweet because that's how pas- passionate I feel about this game. So mm-hmm. um, if you haven't played this game, you need to play this game. And if you have played this game, you need to play it again. And if you've played it again, why not do it a third time? Because it's a great fucking game. All right. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to say about the game before we wrap it up? Is there anything that you guys feel like we just didn't get across that we need to get across now? Uh, No, I think we pretty much covered it. I would yeah. say um, go play this game. And then go read up on how awesome Sea of Stars is going to be. Much love to Sabotage Studios, because they are doing awesome fucking work in games. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, I have... (laughs) That's all I have to say about this. Well, I want to thank you, Rich, for being here. I want to thank you, Josh, for being here. I'm not going to thank myself because that's weird, but I'm Shay. I've been your host. And I want to thank you to the listener for supporting us. Uh, yeah thank you so much for listening uh play this game thank you to sabotage studios for making an awesome awesome game and as always be safe out there take care of yourselves take care of each other continue to wear your masks i know controversial um but i'm saying it now Yo, leave your politics out of my podcast (laughs) still continue to wash your hands drink lots of water and as always take care legalize ranch (laughs) <laughs> Time to deliver a pizza ball. Wash your hands may have been the most just direct call out you've made to gamers this entire time.